For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. It's not the drive home, it's the drive to. The drive to Centralia, Washington right now. Got a show in Enumclaw, Washington, tomorrow. No! I'm not in the rodeo. I'm a professional comedian. That's what Centralia and Enumclaw sounds like, though. Do you think at rodeos they sell a shirt that says, this is my first rodeo? Because they should. And then maybe one that says, this isn't my first rodeo. And then maybe one that says, let's go Brandon. Just because those will sell good. It's only a uh, 30-minute drive to Centralia, so I don't know. Maybe I'll record on the way home, too. Maybe I won't. We'll see what happens. Looking for a bounce back. Looking for a bounce back show tonight. I had a rough show at the Coeur d'Alene Casino in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, yesterday. A private gig for a company that distributes... I don't know what, food and snacks to uh, mini marts and gas stations in the Coeur d'Alene, Spokane-type area. 400 people were in this room. No chairs, just sort of standing, milling around. And uh, they did not pay attention to the show at all. I probably had 30 people standing around listening to me. And like I said, in a room that holds 400, most of the people in the room, I mean, they didn't dim their conversation one bit. Uh, so, in fact, I'll play. <laughs> you probably won't even be able to hear it right away, but I, I got uh, my uh, my pal Phil Kopsensky, very funny comedian. I got him to open for me there at this private gig. And uh, I will play him introducing me. You probably won't even be able to hear him over the roar of the crowd. Not the roar, but just the conversation about Jack's beef links and Red Bull distrib- distribution. International comedy competition, all right? He has, uh, he has uh, one of the most celebrated 2022 Driver Specials. He has over 2 million views. He tours the entire country. He's not in the Pacific Northwest. He's in Vegas, in Canada, and all over. You guys are absolutely going to love him if you pay attention, which you guys are on board. Uh, you're almost there, but I think you should come in. I cannot wait to see how this goes. Please give it up for Gabriel Rutledge. Come on, guys. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, man. Sorry. Thank you. Hey, hey, hey. Everyone in the room, is there any chance of being quiet? Is there any chance? Is there any chance at all? If I said a Ford F-150 was being vandalized in the parking lot, would you pay attention then? A couple of people. 
Comedy works a lot better uh, when it's not like in a stadium sound. I don't know if you've ever watched a comedy special before, but usually people aren't having yelling conversation about beef jerky. That's one of the things that makes it good. Uh, clap for my friend Phil who was just up here. Can we do that? Yes. I got him this gig and I'm going to say it publicly. Phil, I'm fucking sorry. I tried, I gave it a second to like, you know, hey, maybe everyone can pay attention, and then it didn't work, and so then it's like, all right, it's out-of-body experience time. I will perform for 50 minutes, that's what I said I was going to do. The jokes I performed, wild. I mean, not really wild, but like, jokes that I'm like, why am I doing this joke? I haven't, <laughs> if you're familiar with my act, I was doing hair flip jokes. I haven't done those in a couple of years, I bet. But who knows what's going to come out of your brain and mouth when 380 people are ignoring you. So yeah, I was doing all kinds of strange jokes that I'm like, why am I doing this one? But yeah, you know, there's some people paying attention. You just kind of grind it out. But even the people paying attention who are like, that was great. It's like, that's not how you're supposed to listen to comedy. How, how great can it be when you can barely hear me because everyone else is so loud? And I did. I felt bad for the guy who hired me because he did not get his money's worth. The only thing that would have saved that show is maybe before it started, if he would have gone up, if the boss would have gone up and be like, everyone has to quiet down. Uh, because there's a comedy show. Uh, that didn't happen. It was kind of a disaster. You know, the guy who paid me was like, it was great. I loved it. I'm like, all right, fine. Very nice. Very nice dude. He wanted to get us a drink afterwards, which I did. And then, you know, what happens is, uh, you know, the show's rough when afterwards people are saying things like, I'm sorry. You're, you're, I think you're really funny, but that was a tough gig, man. I'm like, yes, yes, it was. I will take a double of whatever whiskey you have on the rocks, please. But also, I don't, you know, it's not like I went back to my room and hung myself. Uh, I tried, my belt broke, but I, it's just, okay, it's one of those nights, you know, I got, pay, I got paid pretty goddamn well to uh, interrupt the company party. I knew where you were in trouble when, uh... Phil was like, I'm going to make a five-minute announcement. Like, hey, the show starts in five minutes, everybody. And, like, no one even acknowledged. I'm like, oh, boy. And also, another reason I just plowed through my act is Phil was not... Phil was trying everything. He's bringing people on stage. He's riffing. He's doing... And it also it was not having an impact on the room. So I'm like, okay, Phil already tried that. So... I almost took the wireless microphone and just walked around the crowd, but no one would have noticed. 
they literally would have been like, who are you? And I would have had to be like the guy who was on stage trying to do jokes. Anyway, sometimes it's a job. Uh, Phil, Phil reminded me, uh, Phil, <laughs> sometimes like if I, if I hear, watch video of a really old joke of mine that I'm doing, that I did, I mean, uh, and I, I forgot about it. It's like, I get to watch it for the first time and I'm like, Hey, this guy's pretty good. That kind of happened with a story Phil told me. Uh, I've been laughing. I cracked my past Gabriel cracked up current day Gabriel because I forgot I did this uh, this is when Phil started comedy he would uh, he, he would ask like Northwest headliners for advice and uh, some of the advice he got was like I think one one I won't say names but one Northwest headliner was like you have to physically sell the emotion on your face the emotion of the joke you're telling you have to make them believe it you know, someone else is like giving him other sort of like writing tips and that kind of stuff. And then Phil said, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil said when he asked me if I had any advice, I said, if you're going to bring, if you're going <laughs> to, I said, if you're going to bring a bottle of water on stage, unscrew the cap before you get up there. That way it's easier to get off while you're on stage. That was my comedy advice. <laughs> I stand by it. If you're going to bring a full bottle of water on stage with you, if you take the cap off and you're walking up with a full bottle of water, then you're going to spill it. But if you don't crack the top, then you're like, okay, time for a drink of water, and you gotta like two-handed open it. But if you already opened it and just loosely tighten it again, then you can kind of do it with one hand. Look, a lot of people will give you a comedy theory. A lot of people will wax poetically about the performing arts, but I'm I'm here to get you hydrated as quickly as possible. After the show, Phil was like, "This is why I don't do cruise ships." And not that that show we did was like a cruise ship, but in a way that, like, because, you know, I felt obligated to hang out with a guy who paid me a bunch of money, and he was getting us drinks. We had to hang out and walk around a little bit. Like, you know, whatever you want to call that show, bombing or being ignored, I mean, we wanted to go. But instead, we had to talk to a bunch of people. And that has to be what happens on a cruise ship. If you have a bad show on a cruise ship, you got to see everyone at the pool the next day, everyone in the buffet line. Everyone in the gym. Okay. Well, I probably wouldn't do that. Everyone at the bar. No, thank you. If I bomb, I don't want to be trapped at sea. I want to helicopter the fuck out of there. I flew first class on the way home. Probably didn't deserve it after that show I had, but on Alaska, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like an MVP member. Ruby? I don't know. It's all like emerald and ruby and shit, but 
Uh, so I'm available for upgrades, at, but I've never been upgraded to beyond uh, whatever the seating behind first class is. I got first class. I wish it was a long flight. It was a 45-minute flight from Spokane to Seattle, but still. Just to feel superior to people. Feel so good. I get it, rich people. I get it. I got a coffee in a hard, actual ceramic coffee mug. You can't give those animals in coach a hard ceramic coffee mug. You can't give those chimps throwing shit at each other back in coach a weapon like that. They'd bash each other over the head. No, not up in 1A where I was sitting. Sipping coffee like a gentleman. Enjoy your paper cups, you filthy animals. I was listening to some uh, much more successful uh, comedians talk. I think it was on a podcast. I can't remember. And they both agreed they would never fly coach again. They would always pay for first class. I don't know what the amount of money you have to make before you do that, but I'm nowhere close. I mean, I bought tickets to uh, uh, Tulsa in the summer. Seattle to Tulsa, it's $610 round trip for not first class. I can't imagine making it in 1000 or making it $800. i am not there. But it did feel good. I don't know if I had a lot of money what I would spend it on. I, like, I bought a Kia Rio because it's the cheapest car almost. So I might go a couple up from the cheapest car if I had a lot of money, but I just don't care. If I was a millionaire tomorrow, it's very unlikely. But if I was, I wouldn't be like, I'm buying a Mercedes. I just don't care. I don't care. I don't know if I'd feel right about buying first class plane tickets to everything. It just feels like a waste of money. Also, it's still shitty. It's just less shitty. It's like life. The best you can do is a little less shitty. You're up in the sky bouncing around. I had to get up at four in the fucking morning. You're standing in line. You're going through metal detectors. You're getting yelled at to turn your phone off. Not me, but the guy next to me. It's not a pleasant experience, but then you're like, I got like six more inches of leg room. This is fucking great. I'm, tr- I'm drinking out of a shitty Alaska Airlines mug. Am I a Rockefeller? How did I get so fortunate? This is the kind of shit I spend money on. I just spent, uh, I think, $150 to buy cornhole for my backyard. We had like a junior-sized cornhole, but I, re- I wanted to upgrade. 
to regulation cornhole. I just find it very relaxing to go in the backyard. Sometimes I'll take a coffee out there in a ceramic mug that I stole from Alaska Airlines. There's something uh, zen about throwing beanbags at a hole. Also, I measured the official distance you're supposed to do. 27 feet. That's far as hell. I'm much worse at cornhole than I thought. I was a juniors champion. So anyway, I assume I'll be a professional cornholer by September. All right, I'm almost to the Centralia gig. Centralia, I need this one, all right? I just yelled my act at a room full of Copenhagen distributors last night, so I need this. All right, I'll check in on the way home. Okay, driving home from Centralia. I realized that my recording on the way to Centralia, not to let you in too much on the high-tech studio I have here, my Kia Rio Studios, but I usually record into my phone headphones. And they were plugged in, but they weren't, it doesn't, every once in a while it just doesn't work. So you got me recording into my phone audio, which I don't think is as good, but none of it's that good. So maybe, who knows? Hopefully this is working. I'm back, you guys, I'm back. I knew I was funny. I knew it. I'm going to say something that has rarely been said in show business. Thank you, Centralia! Uh, good night. Fun show. I mean, there were train tracks, like, practically running through the building. They were right behind the building, so that was very loud with trains going through, but that's fun. Well, that joke's leaving. <laughs> that joke got, got the first train out of this. What's on those trains? Do you guys know? Coal train! Coal train? <laughs> I'm getting a real weird vibe from this. I feel like you guys are about to be like, the train hasn't run in years. Say on quiet nights in between jokes, <laughs> you can still hear her run. So yeah, uh, that's you know, fun show in Centralia. Also, I can't believe it because I was just talking on the way here. To you, my imaginary friends. And I said the advice I gave Phil Kopsinski about comedy is unscrew your water bottle cap before you go on stage so it's loose. <laughs> and tonight I'm with another one of my comedy pals, Mike Coletta. We're backstage. I didn't even bring it up. 
Mike grabs a bottle of water before he goes on stage, unscrews it and goes, I'll never forget that you told me I should always <laughs> unscrew the water bottle before I, I go on stage. Apparently this is my thing. This is what I tell people. I have no recollection of any of it. I'm a person who says stuff like, I don't give a lot of advice. But apparently, uh, I give advice about water bottle caps. Apparently, that's my go-to. I couldn't believe he brought that up. I started laughing. I'm like, I was just talking about that with Phil. I told that to him. The problem with any advice, unless it's about water bottles, is... You're really, I mean, I've been given good advice in my life, but you don't really know at the time. If you're at, if someone's giving you advice about anything, they're giving you advice on how to be like them. Maybe you don't want to be like them. Maybe that's why I don't like giving advice is, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to fuck people up. I don't want to send them down the wrong path. Unless the advice is don't touch that, it's hot. Or maybe unscrew your water bottle cap. Any advice sounds good if you it's worded correctly. That's why there's all those contradicting expressions, you know? Hey, look before you leap. Also, fortune favors the bold, so pick which one. Anyway, I'm a life coach now. I'm mostly talk about how to handle your beverages, but if you've been struggling with bottle caps or cans of soda I can help guide you I'm a beverage life coach I think I talked to let me just acknowledge that I say the same stuff over and over again on this podcast that's kind of the problem is um when you're talking to no one. So, you know, if you've been listening a long time, I'll probably repeat myself. What are you going to do? Also, if you've been listening a long time, I'll probably repeat myself. What are you going to do? But I used, I was trying to do a bit about life coaches. To write that in my ideas for uh, after I tape the special where I'm going to need a lot of them. But how you know Life Coach isn't a real thing is you've never met an assistant Life Coach. their way up the coaching ladder 
start right off a head coach. Also, you know, it's not real because everyone I've met who was a life coach was also my Uber driver. So, I don't trust that. Same with everyone who was really into crypto was also my Uber driver. How's it working for you? As you're picking me up for the airport at 4.30 in the morning. If this crypto's making you so much money, maybe uh, sleep in. Start Ubering at noon at least. Uh, I, live, uh, I live in Olympia, Washington. Where do you go for supplies, you son of a bitch? <laughs> yeah, boo your way all the way to our three fucking Walmarts. That's what you do. <laughs> 30 minutes away, and you're like, boo. <laughs> Too many people. <laughs> Their trains have shit in them. <laughs> you can boo them, I don't give a shit. People are like, why do you live in Olympia? And I'm like, because Olympia has something that no other place has, and that is a house that my mother-in-law sold me for well below market value. <laughs> Step it up, other cities. I've noticed that about the advice game, though. There's a lot of social media people who do that, some Instagram types or whatever. And they just start giving advice, like, here's what you gotta do when this happens. Or, uh, here's some, uh, whatever, Mental Health Monday or whatever. But who are you? Are you a, are you a doctor? Are you a, a licensed psychologist? Or are you also an Uber driver? Okay, cool. But giving advice is one of those things you don't really need any credentials. You just gotta start shooting your mouth off. I, uh, I got our we got our delivery today at, at, at the uh, the old house uh, from Walmart and Costco. That's something we kept from the uh, pandemic as we started getting groceries delivered, and we're not going back. We love it, and I think we actually save money because you know you don't have to walk through the store and go like, oh, I need that too. It's very convenient. But we don't want to get everything from Costco because it's all huge. One time my wife bought it. Like two gallons of like spicy nacho cheese. I'm like, are we opening an AM PM? What? What are we going to do with this? So we get some of the stuff at Walmart. But I noticed uh, the last two deliveries we got from Walmart, they don't have plastic bags anymore. Paper. And I started thinking about because, you know, during the pandemic, that was my job. I was delivering groceries for Walmart. 
uh, you know, some comedy too, but not enough. That that was my only job. I had to, I was delivering groceries for Walmart, and I was thinking the the paper bags are gonna suck because you used to be able to with the plastic bags you could grab like I don't know five or six of them in one hand and like really carry a lot of shit. But you're not gonna be able to do that with paper. But sometimes you gotta walk up to like the third floor of an apartment. I was thinking all these thoughts. as I was collecting our our Walmart groceries off the front porch. And I really, all of a sudden I I realized, you know, like I'm not, I, I felt very grateful. I felt very, very grateful because I don't deliver groceries for Walmart anymore. And that I am not looking down on that job. I actually, I have a lot of gratitude for that job. One, it gave me something to do at a time I needed to do something. And two, it made money. Not a crazy amount, but we needed money and it worked. But what I'm grateful for, as I was driving around, delivering groceries, and then waiting to deliver groceries while I wrote a book in Walmart parking lots, I swear to God that book's coming out this year. We're proofreading right now. But, you know, I had thoughts about, am I ever going back to comedy in the way that I did before? Is the world going to go back to the way it was before? And then when the world started kind of going back, I'm like, I don't know where I fit in in comedy anymore. It was kind of a reshuffling. And now we're, uh, whatever, we'll call it a couple years, two and a half years after And uh, I've never been doing better in comedy. And I can't, it's kind of, like I have to stop and acknowledge that to myself. Like I was a very part-time comedian part to full-time grocery delivery guy because my whole life fell apart. My whole fucking world fell apart, like it did for a lot of people during COVID. I was very not essential. And so I think it's important that I just, I gotta take a moment and go, yeah, not only are you back, but like, financially, You've never been better. You just had a show on some trail. You're next to some train tracks. You're killing it, bro. You don't have to worry about the paper bags of Walmart anymore. And I believed this before the pandemic, but I believe it even more now. Stand-up comedy is a really difficult job. But it is a honor 
and a privilege to get to do it for a living. It's really bananas, man. Not everyone gets to love something as much as I love stand-up comedy for their profession. And a lot of the people who do love stand-up comedy as much as I do and want it to be their profession aren't funny enough. So... Truly blessed. Not ironically hashtag blessed, but truly blessed. Also, I just won an award uh, from the Washington Center for Performing Arts in Olympia, Washington. Uh, I won their uh, Achievement in Artistry? Artist of the Year? No, that's not right. Achievement in the Arts. I'm the winner of their Achievement in the Arts Award. I did not even know I was nominated. But uh, there's an award for Achievement in the Arts and an award for like Support of the Arts. There's two awards. I won Achievement of the Arts. And uh, there's like uh, in June, there's like this big gala, gala, gala. An expensive food place. Uh, and then it's like an event. And they're going to give me an award. So. And my family gets to go. So. I'll be honest. I looked at the list of previous winners. And I was. It's not exactly a who's who. It's more of a who the fuck. But whatever. I like awards. I hope I wasn't the only one nominated. Maybe that's why I won. When I was in, I think, second or third grade, I won an essay contest in South Bend, Washington. And the essay title that we all had, we all had to do the same title and then write the essay about that subject. It was what America means to me. And I don't even remember what sort of propaganda I wrote, but I do remember I won my age division and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God. I'm a championship essayist. And then when I went to the awards dinner, I guess... My achievement in the arts isn't going to be my first gala because uh, when I was in third grade and I won a VFW essay contest, we had a spaghetti feed. And that's where I learned the truth. I was the only one who entered the What America Means to Me essay contest for my age group. I ran unopposed. Perhaps that's my achievement in the arts as well. But I think all of us during 2020 and, you know, I don't know when I would call getting back to normal. I mean, I've had COVID 48 times now, but... Uh, it's weird. We, You know, the whole world was sitting around going... 
when will we get to return to the things that we love? When will life somewhat return to normal? And in some ways, you know, we're all a little screwy. The world's a little tilted. People are on edge, more anxious. All that. But, we are back. And we don't even go, hey, we're back. And I think we need to, a little bit. I need to. When I was depressed in 2020 going, my whole identity that I have built for myself is gone. I don't even know who I am anymore. I have to now in 2023 say, my identity that I have built for myself is back. So I might be uh, hauling paper bags for Walmart in a couple of years, but right now, I'm not. Okay, I'm home. I love you. You're a good person. We're going to call that a podcast. Bye!